Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. Really interesting how they can always figure out a way to direct the conversation back to themselves. I mean, even if you're talking about the weather or something, it somehow ends up talking back. It's like back on them somehow. It's so crazy. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zung, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. All right, let's talk about those eight favorite narcissist catchphrases. Number one is, you can trust me. And normally they say this in response to something where you felt like you couldn't trust them. I will give you an example. I was in a small, very brief business with someone and this person put money that was supposed to go into the business account. It was money that had been generated by the business into her own personal account. And when I questioned her about where the money was, she said, oh, she had to put it in her personal account because she didn't know how to put the money into the business account. Mm-hmm. Do you smell BS? Yeah, I did. Definitely, I did too. So when I called her out on it, she said, well, she will transfer it back into the business account, but she didn't know how to do it. So she had to, you know, to classify it. She wanted to consult with her CPA or her bookkeeper to find out what the best way would be to transfer it and how to classify it and for bookkeeping purposes. Yeah, I definitely lots of BS, right? But she punctuated that whole conversation with me with, you can trust me. Mm -hmm. This person was definitely a covert narcissist. And yeah, you can trust me, definitely you can't. And so they normally do say it in response to something where you're feeling like you can't trust them. So what I'm here to tell you is trust your gut, don't trust them. All right, number two, ready? Number two is stop interrupting me, stop attacking me. Again, they normally say this in response to you are trying to make a point, you're trying to get them to take responsibility for something. Maybe it's something that you want for yourself from them. And so they project and deflect by saying that you're attacking them or that you're interrupting them. I mean, maybe you're catching them in some sort of a lie. And so project and deflect are two of the ways that they handle that. If you wanna know more about what happens when you catch a narcissist in a lie, by the way, you can definitely check out my video on that subject as well. All right, number three, I don't like the way you said that. So again, it's a way of projecting and deflecting. It's attack what you said, how you said it, when you said it, because then it's about that. They want the conversation to 
not be about whatever it is that you wanted it to be about. They want to push it off into something else. All right. And that way, they're not having to take responsibility. They've slithered out. It's sort of like trying to hold a fish or something. They slide out. So that's number three. Number four is I never said that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Or the flip of this is we did talk about that. Don't you remember? You know what that is. All right. Everybody say it with me. Gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Yes, one of their favorites. Oh, yes, they love the gaslighting, especially the coverts. Really, they all love the gaslighting. But anyway, it's one of their favorite little tricks in their little bag of toxic tricks. So they'll say, I never said that, or I did say that. The reason why they gaslight, by the way, is because it helps to weaken you and destabilize you so that they're, you're more under their control and you start to question your own mind, you start to question your own sanity, you start to believe that they know better and that you don't. And after years and years of it, it's you know almost like you're having to deprogram your brain from being brainwashed, almost like a cult. So, you know, it definitely takes some good therapy with a therapist who does definitely understand narcissism. I highly recommend that. Okay, so the last four are all um, absolutes. Okay, so it's like, remember that narcissists are always about black and white. So it's either you're the best person they've ever met or the worst person you've ever met. You're either for them or you're against them. There's a winner and there's a loser, especially in negotiations. They want to come out looking like the winner. You have to remember that if you're not going to be for them, then they definitely are going to think you're against them. And then you become public enemy number one. So the last four of the things that they say are absolutes because they love to speak in absolutes. So number five is no one else. No one else thinks that. No one else believes you. No one else says things like that. You know, you're the only one. They they want you to feel like you're ganged up on, like you're bullied on, like you know, they've got their flying monkeys all believing them. And that kind of leads me to number six, which is everyone else. So everyone else thinks that I'm right. Everyone else thinks that I'm fantastic. Everyone else thinks I'm a great dad mother, business partner, whatever else it is. Everyone else thinks I'm kind, wonderful. You're the only one who doesn't think that. Again, to weaken you, destabilize you, question your own mind, think you're crazy, feel ganged up on, feel controlled. It's a way to manipulate you, one-up you, push, push you down, degrade you. That's what it's meant to do. Number seven, number seven, number seven and number eight go together. It's number seven is always and number eight is never. And again, it's with these absolutes, you know, I always do everything that I'm supposed to do. You never give me what I want, things like that. So it's always and never. They love to use these absolutes because it makes them feel powerful and makes you feel worse, which is the goal. In this uh, video, we are going to be decoding the most manipulative phrases. 
the most awful phrases, the stealth, underhanded ones that narcissists use so that you can protect yourself from them and be able to spot them from a mile away, right? So what is a manipulative phrase in the first place? Well, it's a type of phrase that, you know, maybe it it doesn't seem necessarily lethal or, or, you know, even all that bad sometimes right away. But sometimes you go, wait a minute, what was that? You know, and I've been there. I've seen, I've, I've been, you know, in those situations where you're like, I don't know, that doesn't seem right. You feel powerless in, in these situations sometimes. And you're like grasping for control. But narcissists are really, really good at, at crafting, you know, these, these, these sentences where you, you almost are, you lose your grip. And, and there you are, and you just feel so yucky inside. You feel so like where you end up with this pit in your stomach or this this grip in your chest, and, and you, you just aren't sure what to do. It's subtle language oftentimes, and it's a tool that they use for control and manipulation. And they're so excellent at it, so excellent at it. So uh, a lot of times uh, it's it's things like you're too sensitive, you know, they're, they're trying to discredit your feelings and they shift blame onto you so that you're ending up doubting yourself. You know, it's very, very subtle. You know, they might say things like, you know, that, that dress looks really uh, becoming on you for your figure. You know, my daughter dated a guy one time who said something to her. You know, my daughter goes to really excellent school, by the way, and she has a 4.0. But, you know, he said something to her like, oh, you know, if we have kids, our, our kids are going to have the best of all worlds because, you know, they're going to have my brains and your, your work ethic, you know? And it kind of seems like the person is saying something really good, but then, wait a minute, that doesn't sound very nice. You know, it, it's it's almost like a hidden compliment, but then it's like a backhanded, mm, a little, there's like a tail that kind of whips around and smacks you in the face almost at the end there, right? So they're very good at kind of whipping you around at the back. So it's like you. Oh, wait a minute! You're, uh, you take offense to that? Oh, you're you're so sensitive. You know they they shift that blame to make you doubt yourself, and then they'll say, "Oh, I was just joking. I was just joking." Downplaying hurtful comments uh, uh, to avoid responsibility for them taking action for their words. The line of work that I'm in now, teaching people how to negotiate with narcissists or high conflict personalities, you know, they'll accuse me of being narcissistic or whatever. And, you know, it's like, okay, but, you know, I don't, I don't get hurt by that. But, it, you know, I just think that a lot of times people will say that kind of thing and then they'll, they'll say they were just joking. But, you know, they, they say that sort of thing too. 
words. Avoid responsibility for their words. I think that people need to be careful about the types of phrases and words that they choose, right? Another thing that narcissists will do is they'll say, no one else thinks that way or everyone else thinks that way. Again, they're trying to make it seem like you are the the odd one, the weird one. There's something wrong with you. You know, people who are kind, people who are loving, don't say things like that. They don't say things that are isolating, who are trying to make you feel like you're alone, like there's something wrong with you. It's not nice. It's bullying. It makes you feel... Uh, like there's something wrong with you. It doesn't matter who you are. And only narcissists say things like that. You know, if you feel good about yourself, you don't say things like that to other people. Very similar to you're too sensitive is like you're overreacting. You know, any kind of thing is like minimizing your concerns, right? If you've seen these sorts of red flags, it's, it's manipulative types of language. Trust your instincts, trust your feelings. You know, our, our hearts are actually 20 seconds ahead of our brains. Did you know that? There's actually, it's this thing called heart math. You can actually even do uh, coherence exercises, coherence meditations to get your heart to be in coherence with your, your brain. So, you know, trust those instincts, trust those feelings, know that you are in coherence, know that you are, your, your, your intuition is correct. So protect yourselves in conversations, you know, have strategies for responding to manipulative phrases. Say things like, thanks for the feedback, you know, meaning you're just keeping it over there. I, I, I agree with you. I agree that that's what you think. I know that we're uh, not on the same page. I can see that that's what you believe. I understand that that is your position. All things that you can say. If you want more phrases for disarming narcissists, go to disarmthenarc.com and, and download them. Free phrases for you. Disarmthenarc.com. For, for, it's a, my free gift to you. Set boundaries in communication. You know, you can say, this approach is not working for me. And, and get up and leave. You don't need to stay in a conversation. And then seek support and validation from trusted sources. Put that, you know invisible shield down around you and just, you know, go seek support from trusted sources. I have a free private Facebook group, Narcissist Negotiators. Join that. If you need help and support from a therapist, we have a sponsor on this channel, BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung and get the help and support that you need. We receive commissions on that. It does not cost you any extra. It is just a sponsor here on this channel. We want you to have access to help and support that you can trust. For a deeper um, communication, understanding of communication and strategies to protect yourself, 
I have a book, uh, Slay the Bully, How to um, Negotiate with a Narcissist and Win, which you can definitely check out. Make sure that you get help and support that you need. Okay? So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this channel, hit that notification bell. If you like this video, make sure you like it and you share it so that others can have access to um, in information like this, all right? And just know that words have power, especially in the hands of a narcissist. And by recognizing and understanding their manipulative phrases, you can navigate. You can navigate conversations confidently and protect yourself and your well-being. Just remember who you are. Know that authentic power beats that counterfeit power, their fake power. You are working toward real authentic power. That's what we're doing here. That's what I teach you in my slay method. That's what I teach you know how you how to do when you are navigating and negotiating with a narcissist in a powerful way. And it is so possible. I've I've literally taught thousands of people how to do it. And that's what you're going to be able to be doing in your negotiations with that narcissist. It is possible. It's possible every single time. All right? Narcissists take themselves down constantly. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive your store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash bestlife to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bestlife. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the hardest thing for you to take time to do in a day? I know for me, it's anything related to self-care, yet I know it's something I need to do the most. Taking that time to work on my mental health is so important. And that's why I know so many years ago that therapy was one of the best decisions of my life. It's truly been a game changer for me. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, I seriously encourage you to try BetterHelp. It's it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient. It's flexible. And it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a therapist that's perfect for you. And you can switch at any time for no additional charge. 
Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Just visit betterhelp.com slash negotiate today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash negotiate. 10 power-packed phrases that can instantly unmask that covert narcissist, all right? So let's dive in, shall we? By the way, I've got a brand new book, Slay the Bully, How to Negotiate with a Narcissist and Win, which you should go straight to slaythebully.com and you should grab it right now. All right, so number one is I'm not having this discussion with you. I'm telling you how it is because you know what? They, they, bank on the fact that you're not going to snuff them out. They they bank on the fact that you're not going to go direct with them. They don't it stops them in their tracks. So if you say directly to them, I'm not having this discussion with you. I'm telling you how it is. Then it, it establishes your assertiveness with them and it lets the narcissist know that you won't be manipulated and it sets this clear boundary with them and you don't need to say it in an angry way you don't need to say it in a way that has any tone you don't even even need to say you can just say it even sort of robotically you know you can just make it clear that you there's a new game in town that this new game in town doesn't tolerate their attempts to control conversation. You can just say, I'm not having this discussion with you. I'm telling you how it is. Just like that. And you can just look at them like that. Okay. So that's number one. Number two is I don't get what you're trying to say or do here. You just kind of play dumb. I don't, I don't understand what you're trying to do. I'm not sure. You know, by, by you act confused. And when you subtly sort of challenge the narcissist attempts to confuse or gaslight you, it puts the focus back on their behavior to demand clarity instead of anger. You sort of are bewildered. I'm, I'm not sure. Can you, can you provide clarity for me? I'm just, I'm just trying to understand what, what it is you're trying to say. Can you, can you give me some more clarity on that, please? When you approach it with some bewilderment or, or like, um, confusion instead of anger, it sort of disarms them. So that's number two. Number three is this isn't the way to talk to me or anyone else for that matter. So you are establishing that you are not going to be disrespected. And and let me tell you, I always sort of give a formula for shifting the dynamic of power with narcissists. And I say that you need to to think about it in terms of baby steps because oftentimes you've been conditioned for a long time, whether it's a professional relationship or a personal relationship. A lot of times you you don't feel like you can shift that dynamic of power all at once because it feels overwhelming to do it all at once. So I say step one, don't run. Step two, make a U-turn. Step three, break free. So step one is just creating those boundaries. When you 
first start creating those boundaries, that first boundary doesn't have to be a physical boundary. It doesn't have to be moving out of the house or or getting out of a partnership. That first boundary can really just be, this isn't the way to talk to me or anyone else for that matter. You don't even have to add the or anyone else for that matter. You can just say, this isn't the way to talk to me. So by addressing their communication style and, and the fact that you find it disrespectful, you're reminding the covert narcissist that their behavior is not acceptable. And it also emphasizes, if you want to say, or anyone else for that matter, they're important, the importance of treating you with respect and others with respect. But if you don't even care about others at that moment, you can just say, you know, don't treat me disrespectful. All right. So that's number three. Number four is if you're going to talk about me to anyone else, it should be in a respectful manner. And, you know, I have a friend who's also my business coach. She's been my business coach for a very long time. And she would always say, don't leave me less in other people's listening. So when people are hearing about me, don't leave me less. They're thinking less of me when, when you walk away. So, you know, it, this phrase draws attention to the narcissist's tendency to, you know, try to line up flying monkeys, gossip about you, have their army of people so that you feel isolated where they're speaking ill of you. And it encourages them to consider their words and reminds them of that importance of, of speaking of respect. But really more, more importantly, you're calling them out. You're demasking them. You're saying, I see you. I know what you're doing. I know what you're up to. You're not fooling me. I see what you're up to. It's almost like you're you're shining the light. It's like that when you pull the rock off the the bugs and they all go scurrying. What? What are you doing? Right? So it's it's not just the fact that you're demanding this. It's also the fact that you're shining the light on it and, and you're like shaming them about it. The next one is number five, which is your behavior and words have consequences, which can be felt by others. Here you're highlighting the impact of their actions, which again sheds light on their lack of empathy. And it reminds them that their behavior not only affects themselves, but those around them. They may not care about you. They may not even care about anyone else, but maybe they'll be worried about how it's going to show up for themselves. And in that moment, they may be so proud that they'll be like, oh, it's nothing's going to happen to me. But even if they say that in that moment, they may, may be worried. You can still say it because regardless of how they react in that moment, it still may worry them. Number six is it's not okay to only think of yourself and disregard everyone else's feelings. Again, you know, you are standing up for yourself and you are letting them know that you see what they're doing. You see that they're only thinking of themselves. And especially for a covert narcissist, they want to be seen as the humanitarians. They want to be seen as the one who thinks of everyone else. And so if you are calling them out as someone who doesn't 
think of everyone else, they'll be like, oh, feigning this hurt. Like, I take care of everyone. Are you kidding me? You know, they'll be extremely hurt by that, right? So that will kick them right in the gut. And it highlights the need for empathy and consideration towards others and exposing their lack thereof. And by the way, I have phrases for disarming narcissists that you can get for free at disarmthenarc.com, which I definitely highly recommend that you do. And if you need self-care. I have a whole video on self-care for coping with narcissists and definitely check out that video as well. The next one is if you want something from me, tell me so plainly instead of implying it and being passive aggressive. You know, again, they're they're gonna be like, I'm being passive aggressive. What me? Are you kidding? They don't want to be seen as anything other than good and wonderful, even though they are very, very passive aggressive by actually calling out their passive aggressive tendencies and tactics, you force them to be more direct and transparent because they want to have sort of these clean hands all the time. You know, they they don't want to be seen as this manipulative person that they are. And it promotes their open and honest dialogue. And by the way, I have a whole video called Decoding the Top Seven Catchphrases of Narcissists, which is another great video for you to check out. So the next one is number eight, which is what you're doing right now isn't helping us and isn't helping the relationship. So, you know, it just sort of like brings it all back so that you can remind everyone, where are we going with this? Don't we want to get to a place where we're actually getting somewhere with this whole thing, right? Aren't we trying to resolve a conflict here? You know, by pointing out that their behavior is detrimental to the relationship, you highlight the negative impact of their actions. And it encourages the narcissist to reflect on their behavior and their consequences, whether they actually do or not, probably not. But at least for that moment, they get like shamed and, you know, they're open. You open that and you unmask them for that moment. The next one is I know who I am and what I need in a relationship. And this is not it. The more you become authentic about who you are, how strong you are and what you want in a relationship, the more difficult it's going to be for that covert narcissist to be existing in that. Because that is a narcissist kryptonite, a a strong, resilient, authentic human being is not a person who a narcissist can coexist with. A narcissist by definition needs a person who's going to be insecure, needs a person who can be manipulated, needs a person who wants to cling to them. And that this statement, I know who I am and what I need in a relationship, asserts your self-worth, asserts your boundaries, It emphasizes you're not settling for a relationship tainted with narcissistic tendencies. It empowers you to protect yourself. The next one is this conversation is over until we can speak respectfully without manipulation or blame shifting. By setting a firm boundary, you establish 
that you will not engage in unhealthy conversations. This phrase demands that you demand mutual respect and honesty while exposing that covert narcs manipulation tactics. So good. Conversations over until we can speak respectfully without manipulation and without blame shifting. And, and by the way, if you need additional support, please join my free private Facebook group, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung, because get the help and support that you need. And if you need Therapy, betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung. Again, get the help and support that you need. We receive commissions. It doesn't cost you any extra. There you have it, folks. Those are the 10 power packed phrases that will help you when dealing with and confronting a covert narcissist. Unravel the hidden meanings into these phrases. Catchphrase number one, it's all about me. This typical narcissist catchphrase really serves as a constant reminder of their self-centeredness, right? For example, a narcissistic friend who always redirects that conversation back to themselves. And it was really interesting how they can always figure out a way to direct the conversation back to themselves. I mean, even if you're talking about the weather or something, it somehow ends up talking back. It's like back on them somehow. It's so crazy how they can get it back to themselves. They never allow somebody to share their own experiences. You know, if if somebody says, let me tell you about my amazing day, or let me tell you about what I went through or anything, somehow it comes back to, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you about what I went through. Let me tell you about what I'm looking at. You know, even if you just say, how do I look? What's my hair look like? Whatever. I mean, somehow it has to get directed back to them. What I mean by this is this catchphrase reflects on their belief that their thoughts, their ideas, their needs take priority over everyone else. You know, what's amazing to me is you can just, you can even say something like, I'm sad. And somehow they take that as a a personal affront to them. Why is this about you? You're mad at me. Suddenly they can't have you have a moment about you. They've got to have something about themselves, a lashing out at you. That's um, number one. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take 20,000 breaths a day. And according to the EPA, indoor air is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, up to 100 times more polluted. And data shows that air pollution is responsible for up to 7 million premature deaths globally. I know for myself, my family has struggled with asthma, and so clean air is so important to us, and that's why having a good air purifier is so important to us. So what's the solution? 
introducing an air purifier that has captured the attention of media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more, which is Air Doctor, which filters out 99% of air contaminants such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, and all sorts of things. And it even features a whisper jet fan, which is quieter than all sorts of air purifiers. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code YOURBESTLIFE. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value, lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code YOURBESTLIFE. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Forget the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make Everything easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. And that's why I love their fresh ingredients, their chef-crafted recipes, and you'll love the, the delivery right to your doorstep. Everything is farm fresh. Everything comes right pre-packaged to your doorstep, no hassle, no wasted food, and no boredom. You get 45 different recipes to choose from weekly, and you can even add on your market items. They choose, you can, whatever lifestyle you have, keto, whatever it is, you can choose from all of that as well. And what I love is that when it's time for dinner, you just go right to the refrigerator, you can pull it out. And if your spouse likes something different than you like, you can just choose whatever they like, and then you can choose whatever you love. And that's what the, the really great thing is. And especially if you're both working, it's super easy, super convenient, and really, really healthy. So go to hellofresh.com slash negotiate free and use the code negotiate free for free breakfast for life one breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash negotiate free with the code negotiate free. America's number one meal kit. Number two is I'm the best. I'm the best. This boastful phrase is a grandiose display of their inflated ego. They might say things like, I'm the top performer, I'm the best. But, you know, this is not something that, you know, it's okay to say that I have achieved something, you know, and, and that's okay if somebody has achieved something and, and wants to share that, especially if they are sharing it to demonstrate credibility in a field, that's all right. But if they're saying it as perceived superiority over other people to basically say, I'm better than other people and I should have everybody else's admiration, and especially if it's not even true, that is 
going to be a problem. All right. So that's number two. Number three is you should know better. They employ this phrase in a multitude of ways. I didn't have that problem. Oh, I can't believe that you did that. Oh, I would never have done it that way. You know, especially when you know, you might have slipped up and they didn't, or if they're blame shifting and redirecting attention away from themselves. If they had a boss, if you have a boss who's criticizing an employee for making a mistake that was actually their mistake, and they're trying to make it seem like it wasn't their mistake, they will blame shift it onto somebody else. You know, you should have known better than to trust my judgment on that or to trust my mistakes, you know, my my instructions. Or I can't believe you messed up again. You know, by highlighting somebody else's flaw or mistake, they attempt to assert their superiority over somebody else and evade accountability for their own actions. That's decoding catchphrase, top catchphrase number three. And by the way, If you are needing to disarm a narcissist because you're dealing with this, I have phrases for disarming narcissists, which you can get at disarmthenarc.com, which will help you in combating these phrases. So I would definitely recommend that you get them, disarmthenarc.com. All right, catchphrase number four is that's not my problem. That's your problem, not my problem. You know, when something goes wrong, where are they? They're not going to be there to support you. They're they're barely there to take care of you know anything, right? They avoid taking responsibility by uttering this dismissive phrase. They don't care about anybody but themselves. Where are they? They're not there to help with chores or to help around the house. They don't want to help other people. They're very extremely judgmental. They they don't want to help significant others when they're sick. Constantly saying it's not their responsibility, but they certainly want other people to take care of them. And they they definitely want to take credit for other people's work. I mean, they're inherently lazy people. And, and then if you do things for them, they're certainly not going to acknowledge all the things that you did for them. They don't want to give you any kind of acknowledgement for the good things that you did for them. You know, if they messed up or whatever, oh well, you know, so, but they'll say, that's not my problem. You should figure it out on your own. So this catchphrase allows for them to distance themselves from any potential consequences and place the burden solely on others and reinforcing their self-centered mindset. So that is catchphrase number four. The next one is catchphrase number five, which is you're wrong. You're wrong is a... They love this one because they love to find out that you're wrong and they're right. They love to belittle and invalidate others. Imagine that, you know, there's somebody who's constantly a friend or a colleague or a spouse who's constantly looking to undermine your opinions and ideas. They, you know, they might say things like you don't understand anything, you know, you never get anything, you're 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 way off base. 
your perspective is completely way off. Um, you're misremembering things. This catchphrase is a, a number of different versions of you're wrong, but it's, you know, it's meant to control people, undermine people, undermine their confidence and reinforce their sense of superiority. So that's catchphrase number five. They're so delightful, aren't they? Catchphrase number six is that won't work. Narcissists love to use this one to invalidate ideas presented by other people. So, you know, for example, you have a colleague who shoots down every suggestion that somebody else might bring up in a team meeting. You know, like even if it's a good idea, you know, they're just like immediately knee jerking everything to shoot down um, other people's ideas. They, they don't even have any other good ideas. They don't even have any other alternatives. But it's just like, if it's your idea, the answer is a no. And, you know, they might say things like, it's a terrible idea. We tried that before, it didn't work. And they just dismiss any other suggestions because, you know, they just don't want you to have the idea. They assert their perceived expertise and superiority by maintaining their control over conversations and their idea, their sense of intellectual dominance or intellectual dominance. So that is catchphrase number six. And the last one, the last one is trust me, which you should never do, of course. And by the way, if you are dealing with this and you need additional support, you need to join my free private Facebook group, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Song, for sure. But this one is, you know, it seems innocuous, but this is also a very big warning sign. And they use it to manipulate others into accepting their versions of the events without considering alternative perspectives. I mean, it's really a gaslighting phrase. It's a way of gaslighting. So, you know, it's a manipulation. It's, you know, trust me. Trust me that this is the way it happened. Trust me. Trust me the way you're remembering things is wrong. <laughs> you know, trust me that that's the way the conversation went. Or trust me, your advice is, is not the way it happened. Or trust me that your perception is faulty. You know, that sort of thing. And it's a way to distort narratives and silence dissenting voices and reinforce the distorted um, narratives that they want to reinforce. All right, so we've decoded these catchphrases, we've decoded them with examples, and, and that way we've been able to gain a deeper understanding into the manipulation tactics employed by these narcissists. And it's important, it's important to be able to do this because you wanna be able to recognize the patterns. You wanna be able to recognize the patterns employed by them, these high conflict individuals, so that you can recognize these patterns, recognize them if you're going to communicate with them, recognize them if you're going to go negotiate with them, be able to help yourself and get the support that you need. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. You have to be on the offensive when you are dealing with a narcissist. It's not doing anything other than what works. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life? Whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be ex, 
whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic, I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets, and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free From Hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive, where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. A lot of times it's not communicated that maybe specifically, but it's more like, you know, if you are really, really good at football, then I'll love you. Or if you're really, really good at academics, then you're valuable. That sort of thing, you know, when you see it from a parent to a child. And now we return to today's show. Narcissistic phrases that contradict their behavior. Say one thing, do another. It's like, do as I say, not as I do, right? A lot of lip service. And the thing is, they're very, very charming. They come on very strong, very charming, very charismatic. It's very easy for them to make it look like they're saying the right thing, doing the right thing. Oh my gosh, yes, right. They completely know how to persuade, excellent at persuading people to do things that they want them to do. And, and they can get people to do these things for years and years and years, but it contradicts their behavior. And it can really cause cognitive dissonance in people. And so when you're going to negotiate with them or deal with them or live with them, especially if it's for long periods of time, it it can be quite confusing. It can cause you to be off balance. It can cause you to be off kilter, which is exactly what they want. They want you to be under their control. And that's why it's really important to be able to spot this so that you can almost start seeing it as a third party and go, okay, I see what's happening here and not be so taken in by it. You can almost start looking at it as if you're an observer and not be under that spell, all right? So the first one is they'll say, I don't want to argue with you. I don't want to argue with you. But meanwhile, they're constantly arguing with you. I'll give you an example. You know, you just say the, the most benign of things and they'll, they'll be interrupting you. They'll say, why are you bringing that up now? They'll say, you're yelling when you're not yelling. They will not give you information that you simply asked for. They give you a hard time when you want to do the most simple of things. You ask about going to a restaurant 
and they say, I don't care, and everything is difficult, but yet they say, I don't want to argue. I don't want to argue. Or it's in the same vein, they'll say, I'm not mad. I'm not, I'm not mad. You can tell that they're mad. You can tell that they're angry. You can tell that there's rage underneath the surface, but yet I'm not mad. You know, and it's so confusing and frustrating because they're raging on you, but they're not mad. That's one. I think another one is, you know, I love you, but yet a lot of their behavior is not congruent with a person who loves another person. You know, a person who loves another person would not degrade a person, would not put another person down. You know, would care about a person if they're sick, for example. You know, when a person is sick, they want to take care of them. They want to be there for them. They don't act callous toward them. But then they say, you know, I love you. You know, when a person is going through something, they don't make sure that they're as horrible as possible. But this is what they do. And then they say, you know, I love you. They say things like, you know, if you're if you're not even on a diet or something, you'll be at a party and they'll say, oh, so-and-so's not going to have any. She's on a diet even if you're not on a diet because they they want you to lose weight or whatever. Oh, you know, I love you. Uh, you know, things like that. It's not loving. Or they'll say something that's super mean. And those, oh, you, you know, it's just joking. That sort of thing. It's, it's not, that totally contradicts behavior. The next one is I'm your biggest supporter. I'm your biggest fan. But yet they don't come to things that you're doing. They make sure to interrupt big meetings that you might be having at work. They aren't happy for you when you get promoted or they'll say you didn't really do anything to get promoted or that wasn't that great of a thing or, you know, they they kind of put you down. They poo-poo it in some way. But, you know, I'm your biggest fan. I am the one who, who supports you the most. But yet, you know, what you're doing isn't all that great. But I'm your biggest fan. Totally contradicts the way they act. Very confusing. Very confusing. The next one is, you're my best friend. And you're thinking, how could I be your best friend when you treat me the way that you treat me? How would one be as a best friend when you're degrading this other person, when you're telling this person that you don't want to be in a relationship every other day, I could take you or leave you. Every other day is something else, but you're my best friend. But then the next day is I don't trust you, that sort of thing. But you know, you're my best friend. It's so hot and cold. It's so all over the place, but you're my best friend. That's, you know, crazy stuff. They're like so all over the place. You're my best friend. The next one is, it's because I care about you. They'll say something or do something like, I gave you this piece of exercise equipment because you need to lose weight. And it's because I care about you. They do something that's degrading, definitely 
humiliating, uh, you know, and it's just because I care about. I have a cousin who her husband gave her uh, this abdominizer. I'm sure it's definitely not on the market anymore, but it was like some kind of, she was like tiny at the time. I mean, tiny, but, and he was a massive, huge narcissist. And he gave her that for her 30th birthday. And that was, you know, her only gift. That was the only thing he gave her. It was because he cared about her. So that's the kind of thing I mean, like, you know, it's it's like hair value. That's the next one. The next one is things have never been that bad. You know, they'll rage on you. They will go insane. One day it's the worst thing in the world. The relationship is in the toilet. They're recording you. I need to record this conversation because you lie all the time, because you're delusional, because you're a narcissist, this, that, and the other thing. And then the next day, I don't know what you're talking about. Things have never been that bad between us. You know, the relationship has never been that bad. It's like they don't remember because of the way their brain works. You know, they just, they shift from one to the next. They literally have a form of amnesia. That's the like super confusing part because the way when they treat you in a certain way and you're you're still like in massive PTSD about the way they've treated you, they literally do not remember. And that's why they don't have any empathy about it because just don't remember. The next one is you need help. And they'll say these things like they think they genuinely think like they're helping you or something. It contradicts all other types of their behavior. You know, you need because of your mental problems, right? And they genuinely think that they're like caring for you. It's so contradictory. This stuff is not okay. I just want you to know that when you're living in this high and low all the time, it really can cause this trauma bond. It makes it much harder to leave. It's just not okay. You wrote in your book, staying in a relationship with a narcissist just is really and truly not an option. And you listening to us as you're reflecting on everything that Rebecca Zung is is sharing with you based on her personal experience, her professional experience, and all of this extensive research, the 40 million views on her YouTube channel, like she knows this inside and out. You have this phrase, today is a great day to start negotiating my best life. And if you see yourself reflected in the comments or the stories that Rebecca is talking about, there are things that you say, Rebecca, that you need to stop doing immediately if you want to get out of a narcissistic relationship. What are the things you need to stop doing in order to cut off that supply and get out of there and negotiate for yourself? Yeah. So... Step one, don't run. Step two, make a U-turn. Step three, break free. So in the strategy, which is the first step, 
you have to have these action steps. So in that first action step, step one, don't run. Stop allowing them to speak to you in a disrespectful manner. I mean, that's the very first step. You know, I know you feel like it's so overwhelming and it's fearful and it's scary and it feels like, oh my God, you're going to have all this backlash. And I know that, you know, because you feel like they're going to have that tantrum, right? But that very first boundary can that very first baby step can be, I'm not going to allow myself to be spoken in, to in a way that's disrespectful. That can be your very first step today because you, I know you have to course correct. It's like, stop that conditioning, 180 degree turn, right? Stop that conditioning. So the first boundary is that start looking at them as if they are a child having a tantrum on the floor. Start putting that invisible shield down around you and like Superman having, you know, uh, uh, bullets off your chest or Wonder Woman with the gold bracelets. Remember, they didn't attach themselves to you because you have so little value. They attached themselves to you because you had so much. They devalue you because you have so much value. So remember that. Start looking at them like that. Stop defending yourself, you know, Never explain, justify, or overshare. So, you know, just start looking at them as if they're a third party. Just say, you know, we can discuss this when you have calmed down. Or, you know, I can see that you are upset. I can see that you are angry. Observing their behavior. Let it go by you. Almost like Pretend like the words are like looking, you know, you know, whizzing by you. I always say it's sort of like dodgeball. When I was a kid, dodgeball was a big thing, you know. <laughs> so like I always remember like the words just like like they're looking at you, hitting the wall. So is that just so I know? Because we're gonna get a ton of questions. Which is okay. Wait, how do I allow myself to not speak? How do I allow myself to hold a boundary and not be disrespected when this person barrages me with texts or yells at me and then I get paralyzed? And you have these essential phrases that you coach people to use to disarm a narcissist and observe the tantrum, acknowledge it, but not let it hit you. Can you share a bunch of those phrases that you coach people to use? Yes. You can say things like, I agree with you. I, I agree with you that we're not going to agree. I agree with you that that's your opinion. You, you can say things like that. You know, I agree with you is always a good one because they kind of hear I agree with you, but just make sure that you follow it up with I agree that that's your opinion. If you're if they're saying things like you know you're a terrible mother or whatever, you just make sure that I agree that that's your opinion. You know, uh, I uh, your triggers are not my responsibility. You know, you can always say things like that because. They, they often say, you know, it's your fault this or your fault that, something like that. But you can always make sure to remove yourself from a situation where you're not being respected. I love these phrases. I understand that's how you feel. Your approach is not working for me. Let's discuss this when you're less emotional or angry. Do you have any coaching for the fact that I think most people are afraid to say that because they're then going to invite narcissistic rage. Mm -hmm. So when you use one of these phrases to connect with your power, 
and to not allow yourself to be disrespected. I understand that's how you feel. Mm-hmm. And then the person raises the stakes and starts raging at you. What would you advise somebody to do that is just starting to practice these boundaries and create boundaries and not run away from the situation? So if they feel like they are going to be in harm's way in some way, then they really may need to remove themselves from the same physical space. Okay. You know, there's a saying that says that, you know, if, if you don't want to be a doormat anymore, get up off the floor. And, you know, you train people, you condition people on how to treat you. And, and that's, I mean, it may sound harsh, but it is the absolute truth. And narcissists are the, the best ones for that. That's, and that's just the, tr- the truth of the matter. So if they don't change and somebody's either unwilling or too scared to leave right now, how can you truly negotiate with somebody like that? Well, you can because it, what I teach works. Rebecca, I just have to say, I love the swagger. Well, you can, because what I teach works, because that makes me believe you. And you're referring to your slay method. And slay is a four-part framework that you follow in the courtroom and in life for dealing with, negotiating with, and winning against a narcissist. Can you explain what slay stands for? Slay stands for strategy, leverage, anticipate, and you. So let's start with the first one, S. What does it stand for? S stands for developing a super strong strategy, which is the first part of that is creating a vision. If you're just trying to communicate in general, if you're just trying to figure out what to do with them, if if you're in a family situation, if you're just trying to, you know, figure out how to... um, deal with them in life, if it's your neighbor, if it's, if it's your tenant, what is it that you want? So many times people are like, I just want them to stop or I just want peace. That's not, that's not a, a, a goal. What you, you want to be specific about what you want. So, is there a reason why peace can't be a goal? And let's, let's take the example that you either have a mother or a father who is a narcissist. And all you do want is peace. You are not ready to um, become estranged and to remove them from your life. And you want to figure out a strategy that helps you know what your vision is. How do you figure that out? Because, you know, to your point, you always talk about these three C's that you can't change them, you can't control them, and you can't, what's the other one? You can't cause it, control it, or cure it. That's right. You can't cause this, you can't cure it, and you can't control it. And so knowing that, how do you create a vision if it's your mother or your father? Like, what questions do you ask yourself? I still think even if it's your mother or father, you can create a more specific vision around what that relationship should look like for you. I don't want to be triggered all the time. I don't want her or his BS to trigger me or make me feel manipulated. Right. Or even put that in positive terms. Like, you know. <laughs> Do I have to? <laughs> yeah. Put it in positive terms. Okay. What, what does that look like? Right. So, you know, uh, we will see each other X number, number, number of times a year. 
And during those visits, we will have these kinds of conversations. And, you know, uh, this is how I will define the relationship. And, you know, I think that you should be more specific like that because- I love that. Yeah. I, th- I think that will be because you, you get what you envision in life, right? So I love that. I love that because you're right. I think you're so conditioned when you're dealing with somebody who's narcissistic to think about it from what you're enduring versus what would you actually want. And a lot of times it's like, I'd like to be able to walk into a school function where my ex is and not feel like I've just left my body in a panic attack. I put that in a negative, but um, that's a bit. That's a very common one that we that I noticed is that people dealing with exes and feeling completely enmeshed and triggered and wanting to be able to feel powerful and unaffected anytime I see them. Right. Yeah. Is that positive uh, enough? No, I think it. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> I love I you, it, Rebecca. Help us. I think it should be. I want to be able to walk into a school function and sit next to them and be able to discuss our child together and um, be happy for our child together and celebrate her together and uh, and go out for pizza together afterwards and 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 laugh together. During the show, or you know, I think that if you can be like really specific like that, that it would actually be more beneficial for you. Beautiful. L stands for leverage. What does that mean? So, leverage is where you're actually creating that motivation for the person to want to be you know, squeezed and, uh, and and incentivized to want to come to a resolution with you. And in a, a, the case of a narcissist, it's going to have to be a situation where that diamond level supply is potentially going to be threatened. Or, you know, you, there are times where you could potentially, what I, what I call, you know, fluff for favor, vomit later, you know, so where you're... <laughs> fluff for favor, vomit later? Yes, where you sort of fluff up their ego in order to get something, you know, give, give them something they want in order to get something you want. Um, you know, because they, I do this all the time with someone in my life, actually. Yes, and I'm realizing <laughs> i i have I have really developed this strategy. I do deploy a strategy. I'm realizing as you're talking to feed a particular person's ego that they are getting their way, that they are the most important person in the room. And I do that as a manipulation strategy so that I can get what I want. Exactly. Just as long as you know that you're only doing it in order to get, you know, what you want. If you have to go shower or vomit later, then, you know, you do the thing. Um, But, you know, it's in order to get what you want later. So, um, but more often than not, what you kind of have to do is use your documentation because they lie so much, because they're so careless, frankly, 
I mean, they don't think you're ever going to keep track of all the different times that they say things that are, um, you know, they'll say something in a text message, they'll say something in, a, in an email, they'll say, I mean, honestly, they are very irrational. They, as we talked about at the beginning of this show, how many times their memory is faulty or whatever. And, but if you keep track, that's how you create your leverage in a negotiation. And you say, hey, um, you said this, you said this, you said this. I am going to present this in court. I call it ethically manipulating the manipulator. You can call it whatever you want. Many times empaths are uncomfortable with that sort of thing. You have to be on the offensive when you are dealing with a narcissist. It's not doing anything other than what works. I mean, it's not um, anything that's, you know, uh, unethical at all. But you have to do the things that are, are offensive. Whereas most empaths are like, I don't want to fight. I just want to resolve this peacefully. Let's just come to a resolution. But if you want to come to a resolution and you want them to stop jerking you around and you want them to leave you alone, this is what you have to do. Because they're never going to leave you alone. They're never going to stop. You know, I, I, so many people come to me and they say, oh, we're still in court. It's five years later. They won't leave me alone. And I say, well, then you haven't figured out how, what your diamond level supply is yet. You haven't figured out how to, you know, what your leverage is yet. I bet that part, figuring out your leverage, is the hardest part because you feel so spun around by the narcissist. So let me just see if I can track with you here. In your four-part framework for negotiating with a narcissist, it's slay. So remember everybody, S is strategy. You have to have a vision of what you're looking for and that you want to get out of the relationship. And, and again, you have to have this going in or you're gonna be spun around like a top. And the example that you gave, Rebecca, is my strategy is I'd like to sit next to them in a school function and discuss our child in a civil manner. The next step is L. And L is for leverage. And again, this has to do with that narcissistic supply. They're always going to want to feed their ego. This never ends. You've learned this. And you have to accept that as fact and then use your leverage to give them what they want, even if it makes you vomit later. And you're doing this, you're giving them the supply, the attention, the praise, the this, the that, the weekend trade that they're asking for. You're giving them that, even if it may, I don't want to have to do this. Why? So you can get what you want. And the reason why this is important is because when you supply them with something, what happens? You go into the cycle where they're nice to you. And lots of leverage, by the way, Rebecca is teaching you, comes down Two, giving them what they want, but also documenting what they say, what they do, and how many times you say something and how many times you do something. And why do you need the documentation, especially if you're in sort of a confrontational kind of thing? Uh, and you don't have to be in court for this, by the way. 
This might be that you constantly argue with your parents about who's hosting the holidays. Keep a record. Keep a record so you have proof. I'm dead serious about this because this comes down to leverage and to supply, right? And this also keeps you from going crazy. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that when you give them something, they're in a good mood so you can sneak in what you want. See how this works? I love this. So now that we understand the strategy and the leverage, A comes next. And you say, Rebecca, you and I got to be able to be two steps ahead, always. You got to anticipate. Can you teach us what you mean by that? So- A is where you can actually figure out the type of narcissist that you're dealing with because they will all act a little differently in negotiations. And so a covert narcissist is much more likely to use the flying monkeys and pretend like they're the nice one and I'm the victim and, you know, oh, poor me and all of that. Covert narcissists are going to be the first one if, if somebody has cancer to show up with the basket and be right at their side in the hospital and, you know, that sort of thing, but smearing everybody on the side, you know, so... You know, you just have to be careful of who you're dealing with. And then um, the anticipation is that also that knowing that they're going to try to bait you. I always say they go fishing. They go, and then they, they reel you in like this. And then once they have you, you're in the mud and you're down there. That makes a lot of sense. So what's the final part of the four-part slay framework? The why, which is you, which is you standing in your authentic power for you on the offensive. And then also your mindset, because a hundred percent of winning is your mindset. And if you don't believe you can win, nobody can help you. And, you know, I have so many people who have said to me, you know, that I can't win or I can't do this or whatever. And I always say to people, do you want to be right about that? Or do you actually want to win? Because you can be right or you can actually get out of this and win, but you can't have both, right? The good news is that there is a way to deal with them. You know, most people think that there's not. Most people say you can't negotiate with a narcissist. You can't deal with a narcissist. There's nothing you can do that... It's pointless. It's hopeless. The good news is that there is actually a framework. It is actually pretty simple. They are actually pretty simple to understand. And that once you get on the other side of it and you stand up to them and you, you grab that power, the freedom that you feel, the feeling that you feel is actually beyond better than anything else. The people who I've helped through my programs are so powerful now. I I actually now have master coaches who are becoming, you know, they're, they're graduating from my coaching program now. And it, it is beyond anything else that's more magical and more powerful than ever. That's the the beautiful thing. You and you alone define your value. You can win. And in this video, I'm also going to give you eight key phrases to help you shut down those narcissists. But 
four, they absolutely drive you crazy. All right, so let's get started. The first thing is that you you want to understand that they want you you want to kind of take yourself out of this situation. So the more you can kind of start looking at it almost like they're toddlers having a tantrum on the floor, the better it's going to be for you. Because what they're they're trying to do is drag you into that quicksand with them, drag you into that mud with them. And there's a number of reasons that they do that. One is that they get something called narcissistic supply by dragging you into that mud with them. And, and that feeds them, that feeds their ego, it feeds their, their inner empty self by doing that. It's kind of like their, I call it their food, their lifeblood, their oxygen. And, and they, that's what they need. You know, it's that, it's that inner emptiness that they feel. And, and by doing that, you know, you're kind of feeding that. And that's why you end up feeling so empty yourself. You know, they call them energy vampires for a reason. And that's, Part of the reason because you end up feeling like you're being sucked dry. I remember when I was dealing with a business partner who was a narcissist before I even knew anything about narcissism. I used to think, my God, it's like a leech. I just feel like I'm being leached from leached. And I, I, I didn't know any other language to use, but I just felt drained, drained, sucked dry, like the life was being drained out of me. And that's why you feel that. So you, you want to understand that you, you've got to figure out a way to create these boundaries to stop that that draining from you to stop that. So the way you've got to start is, you know, I call it step one, don't run. Step two, make a U-turn and step three, break free. You know, that step one is that first step. It's so important to start to look at things almost as a third party, look at things almost as an observer. And, And so that, you know, when you're, when you're using these phrases, you almost have to take the emotion out of it, all right? So that's the first real step when you're using these phrases, okay? Look at it as if you're looking at a child having a tantrum. Look at, looking at the narcissist from an observer point of view and you stop having the emotional reaction. You can go afterwards and scream into your pillow, cry in the shower, talk to your therapist, whoever you need to, and have your emotional reaction afterward. But when you're with them, not have the emotional reaction there because that feeds them. That is what they're they are looking for. That is what they want. The next reason that you don't want to have these emotional reactions is because they will use these emotional reactions against you. You know, so not only are you feeding that need for supply, but you're also potentially going to hurt yourself because 
what they're trying to do is bait you. What they're trying to do is trigger you, manipulate you, you know, and get you to do something so that they can potentially use your emotional reaction against you. So, and especially if you're in the discard phase of a relationship with the narcissist, they want to be able to go, oh, look, there's the crazy one. There's the emotional one. There's the one that has the problem. And if and if you're in a court situation, it happens all the time. And I've seen it with my clients. I've seen it with in situations where on the stand, in situations that were extremely inconvenient, cross-examination, you know, trial, depositions, you know, where you don't want it to happen. Right. And they're very, very good at that, where they look like they're the calm ones, the collected ones, the charming, charismatic ones. And then everybody else in the system thinks that they're the the normal ones, the non-narcissistic ones, the fine ones, the good ones. The other party is made to look like the emotional one, the one with the problem. Because they bait you, they trigger you, they make you look like the crazy person. So you want to be very, very careful about not taking that bait and not allowing them to trigger you. Remember, everything you put your hand to is a potential trial exhibit. What you write, what you post on social media, how you respond to those text messages, to those emails, to those direct messages, what you say in conversations, what you say in front of people. Be very, very careful about those things. So that's why, you know, go to disarmthenarc.com and grab my key phrases for disarming narcissists. You definitely want to do that. These are some cautions that I have for you. And and then the third reason why you want to be very careful about how you are responding and talking to a narcissist is because every single time you get baited, every single time you get dragged into the mud, that narcissist, as long as you're giving them supply, they're never, ever, ever going to leave you alone. They're never going to be gone because they're still getting that food. They're still getting that lifeblood. They're still getting that oxygen. So they're still going to come around. Three good reasons to use these key phrases for shutting down narcissists. Okay. So number one, you can say something like, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry you feel that way. Now, be careful you don't say, I'm sorry, you know, or whatever, unless you are sorry, but you just say, I'm sorry you feel that way. I understand that that's what you think, you know, whatever, but I'm sorry that you feel that way. You're not saying anything really, you're just saying, I'm sorry that that's how you feel. It, it just basically kind of puts it back on them. That's how you feel. I get it. I'm sorry that's how you feel. And it just lets them know that I heard what you said and I acknowledge that that's what you said. I'm sorry that that's what you feel. Okay, that's number one. Number two is I have no control over the way you feel. I have no control 
over what your thoughts are. Again, you're acknowledging what they said. You're acknowledging that you heard what they said about their thoughts. And you're just saying, I have no control over what you think. Not saying that you agree. You're basically saying you you don't agree, but that you just don't have any control over what they think, nor do you wish to. Um, okay? And you have no control over the way you feel about me or this situation or what they think about anything. So that's number two. Number three uh, is your anger is not my responsibility. You can also say your triggers are not my responsibility because a lot of times they are trying to say that they're angry at you or they might say, you trigger me, you make me angry. You know, all of those things. Their anger about things that you do or if you trigger them, it's not your responsibility. They have to be responsible for that. Just like if you are triggered about something, it's your responsibility to manage your anger, to manage your triggers, right? Each of us have to manage our own triggers, our own traumas, our own anger. That's our own responsibility to deal with, right? I mean, we have a choice about how we respond to situations and that's on us. And so that's on them. And so you can just put that back on them. Your anger is not my responsibility. That's number three. Number four. Number four is one of my favorites. I love this one. Number four is, I agree, that's your opinion. Because you know what? You're basically not agreeing with a thing. But they often hear you say, I agree. So you're saying, I agree, that's what you think. I agree that I heard you say that. You aren't agreeing with a thing. But, you know, I agree that's what you said. I agree, that's your opinion. You know, I mean, I understand that that's what you feel. You know, you can you can say things like that, you know, that basically you're just acknowledging them, but you're not agreeing with the thing. You know, I hear you. I agree that that's what you feel. I understand, you know, things like that are all just acknowledging, but not really anything at all. Okay validating in some way. And that's really a lot of times all that people want. Number five is, I can see that you are. And you just insert the emotion. I can see that you are upset. I can see that you are angry. I can see that you are sad. You know, whatever it is, just articulate whatever the emotion is that you see them feeling. A lot of times what's crazy is that you'll say, I can see that you're angry, 
And they'll say, I'm not angry, but how is it that you're feeling? Because they'll be raging and you'll say, I can see that you are angry about this. I'm not angry. Or they'll be screaming, yelling. I can see that this is upsetting to you. I'm not upset. You know, because when you call them out on their behavior, they'll be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not that. They don't want you to characterize their behavior in such a way. It's just kind of funny, but actually observe their behavior to them. That's number five. If you are so ready to slay you, all of this, slay your communication, slay your negotiations. It's that's, that's my, what we do here. We slay strategy, leverage, anticipate, be two steps ahead of them and focus on you, your case, your position and slay everything with narcissists. Number six. Number six is another one that you can do. It's like, that's an interesting perspective. Hmm, that's an interesting perspective. Again, you're just kind of acknowledging. I can't tell you how many times Hundreds of times a day, I get emails from people that, you know, they're like, you know what? I just pulled out your phrases for shutting down narcissists. I picked one and I emailed it back and it totally worked. Or I have a few memorized and I just pulled, pulled one out, you know, used it, totally worked. So totally suggest that you do this. Hmm, that's an interesting perspective. So that's number six. And number seven, here's where you're going to really start to create some boundaries. All right. If you want a narcissist respect, start feeling the power. They respect people who stand up to them, who have some confidence, right? Start to say things like, if you want to engage in a conversation with me, you're going to have to remain calm and not emotional. Or say something like, be factual, not emotional. You're going to have to speak to me in a way that's respectful. You know, there's certain things that are negotiable, contracts, issues, and terms. There's certain things that are not negotiable, and that's your self-respect. That's your self-worth. So don't allow them to speak to you in a way that's not respectful, okay? All right, so if you want to engage in a conversation with me, you're going to have to remain calm. You're going to have to speak to me in a way that's respectful. Just say something like that. Totally okay. And it's totally okay for you to go, okay, well, you know what? If you can't, then this conversation is over, period. And... Finally, the last one, you you know, if they say something that's just absolutely nuclear, not okay, you can just say, I'm choosing not to respond to that. And that's okay too. You know what? I'm choosing not to respond to that. Don't defend yourself, okay? When you defend yourself, you are giving credence to the other side. You're giving credence to their position. You make yourself look weaker, Never explain, justify, or overshare. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life. And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Slayers, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast I'm excited about, Creating Confidence, hosted by Heather Monahan, a part of the Yap Media Network. Heather sits down with experts like Gary Vee, Sarah Blakely, and Les Brown to share with you techniques and strategies to create your confidence, pursue your dreams, and leapfrog villains you'll meet along the way. Creating confidence is about elevating your confidence to the highest level ever and take your business right there with you. Don't believe me? I'm going to share some of the amazing reviews that I've seen on Apple. Here's one. Heather has the perfect gems of wisdom that not only inspire you, but motivate you into action. I recommend it to anyone who wants to elevate their reach and go to that next level. How about that? That's amazing. Here's another one. Heather is so inspiring, and each episode is filled with tips and tricks on how to become more confident and live the life of your dreams. So if you are looking to level up your confidence, check out Creating Confidence now. Subscribe to Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is.